Live. Yeah. From the Tech Talk Studios in Miami, Florida, it's Data Jocks of Talk. It's Tech Talk. It's Tech Talk. We're live from the FCA conference in beautiful Miami, Florida. And as always, I've got my very own data doc of talk, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay. What's up, brother? Hey, man. It is Friday. We are doing something very special today, aren't we? I love this, man. The, the FCA, they're always blazing trails, and they're always taking innovative ideas and actually making them happen. So, Jen and Jen, thank you so much. You guys rock. Uh, but we had this idea, and, and actually it was your idea. You had the idea and said, hey, let's do a live podcast from Southeast Regional in Miami. And they were like, sure, let's do it. And, and the cool thing about this is, Jay, over the last year, we have been trying to find ways to educate Kairos and doctors on healthcare technology. And that's really where uh, Tech Talk was born, was to help doctors understand and learn in a totally different way. So guys, today... As you're watching and listening, think back to the radio show of the 1970s. We're going to be introducing two guests to you today, virtually. Mark Abla, uh, who is the executive director, Mark's on screen now, executive director of the Illinois Chiropractic Society. And Mark, we did a podcast with him a few months ago, and Mark did a very good job explaining the Cures Act. And cures is something that's coming up that's going to be quite a, a issue or a problem that you guys need to understand and know. So we thought we'd bring, we thought we'd bring Mark today in, talk with him a little bit on the podcast again here at FCA, and, and let you guys uh, learn from Mark and what's going on with the Cures Act. At the end of each one of these, we're going to allow about five or 10 minutes at the end for the audience here in live and the virtual audience to ask us questions. So with that, Jay, why don't you bring in Mark and let's get talking to him, man. I love it. So I'm super excited to introduce our first guest today, Mr. Mark Abla, the executive director of the Illinois Chiropractic Society. And, and Mark is not just a leader in his state. He is a leader nationally. He sits on the Cairo Congress board. Um, he is a highly respected, awesome individual who's done so much for chiropractic. And we're just excited to have my brother, Mr. Mark Abla. What's up, buddy? It's awesome to be here. Um, I don't think that I can live up to that level of intro, but I appreciate the uh, the incredibly kind words, Jay. So uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. And by the way, I just want to correct something that Brad said. He said that the Cures Act was going to be you know a problem or a challenge. Man, it's I don't think it's going to be a problem or a challenge. I think it's something that we're going to be able to do, and I think it's going to be a huge benefit, and it's going to be incredible for the profession. Well, that's why we have you here as the expert today, Mark, is to correct us when we're wrong. <laughs> Which is often, (laughs) no, no, it's not. Well, Mark, let's talk a little bit about the cures. Cures cures is an important thing that's happening in in the profession. Actually, it's happening all across uh, America. And it it is, as a technology guy myself, it's something we've been involved in and watching the laws as they change. Um, But this act, and again, I want to make sure that people understand the difference and the complexity of that. Why don't you start out by telling us just a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, and how did you get involved in talking about the Cures Act around the United States? 
Sure. So uh, as they mentioned before, I'm the executive director with the Illinois Chiropractic Society. Um, I've been in this role for, well, let's just say a long time. Uh, so I consider not just association management to be my profession, but also chiropractic. Um, I think it's, uh, I love this profession and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a patient on, on a regular basis. And, and so uh, anyway, so that, that's, that's me in a nutshell. As far as the Cures Act goes, you know, we're always watching what's, what's on the horizon, what's here, what do our doctors need to be aware of, and what are the challenges that may be associated with it, or what are the good things uh, as, as this might be. So um, what's interesting is some of this stuff, if you don't know, and I'll give you a really fast synopsis if I can do this, Brad, um, you know, it's, we're talking about, uh, it was passed in December of 2016. And in 2016 is when they actually passed it. Uh, they went through a lot of regulatory discussions and then issued the final portion of the rules um, right at the exact same time that the public health emergency was declared back in 2020. And so that's where all of this gets lost and it kind of got lost in the fray. Um, you know, most of the rest of the healthcare world, they have large IT departments that are working on this type kind of thing so they could focus on it. You know, for us as private, most of us private practitioners in the chiropractic world, it fell through the cracks. And so when the first deadline came up on November 5th or 2nd, I think of last of 2020, um, and they looked at it and they said, hey, you know, we got to delay this. And so they pushed it to April 5th of this year. That's when it popped up on a lot of radars um, more than it more than it had before. Things had slowed down. So um, uh, ultimately, we started doing a lot of digging to figure out how is this going to impact our doctors? What are they going to have to do to comply? And how is it going to impact the profession as a whole? Because, again, uh, I, I have huge beliefs that this is going to be really positive for our profession. Care coordination is a really critical element of driving better outcomes across the board. And, and this is a huge step in driving enhanced care coordination, Mark. Um, for, for the providers out there who really don't necessarily have control of their own EHRs and how these EHRs get opened up to provide access and interoperability, what, what are some of the things that these docs need to start thinking about right away? Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I think is as far as just kind of this baseline understanding is the importance of interoperability. Uh, and you touched on it, the coordination of care. It's, it's a matter of, of not just other, other providers having access to your records and seeing what you have done with the patient, but it also works in your favor, right? If you, if you had access to the patient's full medical record, how much better of a diagnosis, how much better of a treatment plan could you put together? Um, you know, the more information we have, the better, and that's on the baseline. So, you know, in preparation for it, really, you just need to know, can your provider, can your EHR provider, because you don't have that individualized control that we see in hospital systems where they've done uh, some of their own work and, and even have their own IT professionals working on this, but, but yours, you know, can it perform, can it actually provide uh, this level of access that, that the Cures Act would, uh, would require um, or I would need, I guess, is maybe a better way to put it, um, then, uh, you know, you, you got to find out from your EHR provider, what are they doing? How can they help? And, and does the software already have some of this capability? Where are they going in the future? Are they gonna go through the full certification process? Maybe that's the first, is that kind of what you were aiming at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's critical. I mean, the questions that our docs need to be asking their own vendors, their own electronic healthcare vendors 
electronic health record vendors is really, really important because as they learn about what this act means and their responsibility in being able to open up their medical records to other healthcare providers or other people that need or want to see those records, they just need to make sure that the EHR companies are, are prepared for this. Um, I think another really critical element is docs typically um, have had issues with documentation and now their documentation could be out there for like the entire universe, not the entire universe, but for other healthcare providers to see. That's a good thing, but it also could be a challenge for docs who are not really astute at their documentation process. So there's, there's some things that docs need to be thinking about and doing right now that are really important as this act takes hold. So Mark, let's, let's, but let's get back a little bit about information blocking and why. I know it's it's a little bit broader than uh, coordination of care. You're you're talking about coming into the modern world today. You know, we all have phone apps. We have apps on the wrist that are monitoring healthcare, and and really, information blocking has been occurred that where where we're blocking that inter- information, where we can, as a tech company, bring all of that information together, and and coordinate that and do analytics on it to add that information. So it really goes beyond just coordination of care. It's really bringing us into the modern world today in how patients demand that level of information for what they're doing. Don't you agree with that? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And that's, and that's spot on, Brad. I think the, the, the concept really, when they put this all together, especially, you know, when, when they passed it back in 16 and as they developed the rules was they looked at, Hey, what can we do? How can we make sure that there's this centralized location for the record so that everybody can access it? And what they did instead is they said, well, forget that. Let's not do that. The patient should be the center, right? The hub becomes the patient. The patient owns the record and we become stewards, right? As, as chiropractic physicians, as physicians, healthcare providers, we become the stewards of those records, right? We develop them, but we're stewards of them. And then the patient has full access. And the idea was if the patient has full access, right? If the patient has full access, then they can give access to whoever may need it. And, and there is where also then, it also then ties everything together, right? And so if you do something, and going back to your initial statement, Brad, uh, if you do something that really prevents the necessary people from accessing your medical records, then that is, in a nutshell, that's information blocking. So the idea is interoperability, full share, coordination of care with the patient in the center, and you can't, as a, as a healthcare provider, and neither can, neither can anyone else, block that information from coming out of your office, coming out of your EHR system or whatever the case is, yeah. It's really interesting because some of the large, huge EHR companies like Epic, I mean, they, they weren't going along with this deal, Mark. They, they were literally trying to block this from happening. And so, you know, maybe you can share a little bit about why a company like Epic would do something like that. Why, why do they want to control the game, so to speak? Well, I think, I think some of that is, I'm going to answer that maybe in two parts. And, and Brad, this will, you know, this is, this is a part of some of the conversations that you and I have had. It's all about big data. Uh, the world is driven by big data. Um, the larger studies that we can do, the more patients that we can look at, um, you know, it just solidifies what we already know, right? As far as f- for the chiropractic profession, um, the financial, you know, and uh, the healthcare uh, um, effectiveness of our care is is really unbelievable, right? 
Um, imagine if we're, instead we're coming in with 1,200 person study that we're coming in with a 25 million person study. And so it's all about big data. Well, you have these large companies, you know, Epic is a great example because they own about 55, 60% of the market share out there um, in the healthcare world. And so um, they have access to a massive amount of this big data. Well, big data is also money, right? If it's going to be a driver, if it's so important, it's also money. And so they can charge for access. The idea behind the information blocking restrictions and interoperability in the Cures Act is really to open that data up. And so it frees researchers to be able to do more, right? So we're not, again, looking at small populations, but instead we're looking at huge populations of people and, uh, um, and again, be able to clearly demonstrate the efficacy uh, that we know that chiropractic provides. So, so, Mark, listen, Jay and I have been preaching big data for a very long time, and we understand that and you, but really give some examples when we talk about big data what are we talking about from an executive director? How do you, how are you using, how are you going to use that big data once we can unleash that? You're actually already, I sent your report a few weeks ago that was really big data. I mean, sort of explain the use case for using data that we call big data. What, what does that really mean so people can understand here in our audience? Sure. So as an association, we've had opportunity to sit down with, uh, um, you know, different groups. We'll sit down with uh, unions and large companies uh, who are structuring their uh, their healthcare plans for their their employees, their workers, their union members, whatever the case might be. Um, and 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 we know what the history of this looks like. A lot of times they, they try to be restrictive for the chiropractic care. Um, but we can come in with some of the big data examples. We see that with the United Healthcare study and the Optum study that's already out there, several of them actually. Um, you know, the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee study that, that clearly demonstrates the financial efficacy that chiropractic brings to the table. And uh, when we sit down with those huge studies, large millions of uh, patients involved in those studies, um, it, it, it actually empowers them to be able to go back and say, yeah, they're right we need to include this. Uh, we sat down with a hospital system, actually, uh, HSHS, uh, and, they, and they have about, uh, they have, what is it, 12 and a half million covered lives between Wisconsin and Illinois, and they had no chiropractic coverage for their, uh, for their employees in any of their hospital systems. We walked through the data with them, this big data that came out of uh, primarily these two organizations, um, and uh, that we don't have, but they have, and at the end of the day, um, they actually added chiropractic coverage. So actually, what it does for us as an association, how we can help utilize that um, and bring people to the table and demonstrate the, you know, the financial efficacy, because that's what they're mostly interested in. And also then the, the financial efficacy as far as their patients being back at work more quickly. We're seeing huge impacts when we have the data. So if we have even more data and better studies that are really chiropractic centric, um, I think it's going to be incredible for the profession as a whole. Yeah, and Jay, don't, I mean, let's talk about this. We, we've had these conversations before where we talk about chiros are not part of the bigger world of, of healthcare in many cases. And part of that reason is the data doesn't exist. And I think chiros are a little bit scared of that term big data and being out there, but it is part of the healthcare cycle today. Don't you agree? Oh, 100%. It's not the future and it's not if, it's really a matter of when. And, you know, I think, Mark, you gave great examples. The Optum study, 4.2 million episodes of back pain over two and a half years, 
clearly demonstrated that chiropractic was the was the lowest cost solution across the board. I mean, when you use that information and you can go to a large employer or, or a government agency uh, or even a carrier and say, look, this is why chiropractic is not a cost. It's actually a cost savings. It starts to make a lot of sense. I think another great example are the Whedon studies. You know, we were, Mark and I were on a call yesterday with uh, Jim Whedon among some other, and Brad was on that call as well. Uh, some, some groups, uh, that's coming out of the strategic plan that, that we're building for chiropractic. And, you know, Jim's studies were great. He did two studies. One had, I mean, not huge data. One had 13,000 subjects. The other had over 100,000 subjects that demonstrated that when a patient went to a chiropractor, they were 55% less likely to get an opioid prescription. And drug adverse events were 71% lower. That's really critical data, especially when it comes to changing policy. So I think we're, we're getting Kairos and we're getting the profession um, more um, woke about the use of big data and how it can help them in practice and also how it can change policy so that patients have more access and benefits for these patients are sub substantially better. Yeah, and Mark, you've been a leader in that and in, in making people wake up to what's going on. And I, you know, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big battle that we've got to go on. It's not going to happen overnight, but one of the real takeaways in all of this that, you know, as a technology guy myself, doctors, and I was incorrect in my statement when I started, you're right about that, is doctors don't need to be afraid of this. This is part of the everyday piece of the world. They need to find ways to contribute. And again, the law under cures is going to force them into that situation. And truly in interoperability, explain, make sure I'm saying this clearly, Mark, but if a patient requests it, the provider will not have a choice. They've got to provide that in an electronic format for that patient, correct? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Canvas app, the app that can take your practice to the next level by providing a customized direct connection between your practice and patients. Through the new built-in rewards program, Canvas can grow new and existing patient numbers and increase your patient's adherence to care plan. What does your custom dream app look like? Elevate your practice with Kaizenovate. Infinity is committed to helping clinicians get paid fast so they can spend less time tracking claims and more times with patients. As a pro advocate for the healthcare industry, we create tools that make sense for electronic claim processing and business analytics. Infinity, committed to the future of claim processing. Um, I, I'm going to say yes, but I want to expand a little bit of how you put that, right? So the answer is absolutely. But here's the thing. Uh, if we even set aside the Cures Act, if you just look at the HIPAA, if you look at HIPAA requirements and the right of access, um, patients already have that ability. This takes it to a new level. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the patient. Uh, you just have to make sure that their privacy is protected under HIPAA. Um, it, it, more likely, where we're going to see this come from, as, as uh, IT developers 
uh, um, really begin to uh, uh, to hone in on this particular issue. And we're already seeing that with a number of different people. Uh, you see it with uh, Apple uh, Apple Health, in, in, which is already an app that's available, and some of the connectivity there. Epic even has some things where you can do some connectivity with them and, and, and share your record. Um, but also then uh, there's other providers uh, that are Oscar is an example, by the way. Uh, and if you're not familiar with them, they, it's at least good to look into it to see kind of what some of that technology may look like. Um, where you can begin to request those records on behalf of the patient. So the patient's got the app. They want all of their records inside of this app. And so uh, what they do is uh, they click a button, they key in the physician's information, and the app will take over from there and basically send out the request. And, and if your EHR, here's the beauty, right? So if the EHR systems um, are fully Cures Act certified, um, and that's a key because some of them may be up to date in their certification, but if they're not fully Cures Act certified, then they probably don't have the APIs or that communication tool uh, to hold hands with that with the app that the patient's using. But if they do, the app can actually request and request. They key in their credentials, and the doctor and the office they don't have to do anything. Right. However, if they don't, they have to go through this negotiation. Uh, they have to go through a discussion with this app and they'll use AI to have the conversation. And unfortunately, our doctors will have to use their own minds and their own email and their own keystrokes. Resources and people. That's right. It's incredibly inefficient. And that's why I believe it's so critical uh, for EHR systems to really um, embrace this and move into that fully cure certified with the right API communication and things along those lines. So um, I don't know. Does that does that are we cover that? Well, if they're bratter. Yeah, I think I think that was a great answer. You know, even in my own company, you've seen what we're developing technology to give chiros, which I think will end up being a historical mark for chiropractors, you know, from a, a portable device like an iPhone or a tablet, you're not only going to be able to see your patient and the analytics that drive you to what are the most significant problems, but you will see the records, the diagnosis and the procedures from every other doctor that that patient has seen in their life. You'll see all the labs, all the ER records, all the hospitalization, inpatient, outpatient, home healthcare, at literally a touch of your finger in that. So that is, so, and, and the big thing for Kairos that I keep wanting to push out is, you'll have access to all of their prescribed and filled medications, which most Kairos have never been involved in seeing those kind of records. So that in itself, in the perfect world where there's no information blocking, that's an example, a great example for not only the doctor, but the patient will have that same access, what we call tra transparency from end to end. The patient will see it, the provider will see it, and anyone authorized by the patient. So what we're talking about and what the Cures Act does is a really important piece, don't you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. And, it, and it's it's really going to be kind of cool how this all plays out. Right. So the patients request it, the apps can re, uh, request it. But and we touched on this briefly earlier. But really, uh, when we start looking at some of the information blocking and the exceptions. So when you can say no, um, you know, really, HIPAA is one of those. But when you really get down to the brass tacks of it, you know, HIPAA gives allowance. Right. They allow HIPAA allows doctors to share uh, the health records in certain circumstances. What the Cures Act does is actually mandates it. So we move from this allow you to to require you to. And that's some of the shift, right? So you only have to protect the patients, uh, you know, the patients and their records. Uh, so the next step in this is as we see this coming in in the next few years, 
Uh, you may have research entities actually making uh, a scrub data request. So basically your EHR system will provide large amounts of scrubbed data um, uh, that's available to these researchers. So then it makes even more possible a lot of this research that we're talking about, millions of records, millions of patients visits, and uh, again, demonstrating chiropractic efficacy. It's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. So the requests can come from a lot of different places. And you state that again, Mark, because that's an important fact. It's really going to show how chiropractic fits in the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can imagine if, if and, I, and remember, I'm a layman, so doctors, please don't don't shoot me for getting what I'm getting ready to butcher right now. But, you know, a patient comes in with some level of, uh, 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 you know, lumbar issue, right? And we have a specific diagnosis, maybe lumbar DDD, or, I don't know. But anyway, so you've got that. Imagine being able to compare millions of records across platforms, across healthcare providers, chiropractic physicians, uh, uh, surgical, uh, physical therapists, or other modalities that may be utilized. Uh, and, and all of a sudden we can, can begin to compare that. And, and especially in, in, in the moment with AI capabilities that are out there, looking at that data is gonna move so fast, um, but it's gonna clearly, I mean, it's gonna show what we already know it's gonna show. And again, the efficacy of what chiropractic brings to the table in the healthcare world. And it's going to help us in a million ways with, with, uh, and with insurers. It's going to help us with uh, unions, with companies, uh, um, with other providers. Imagine having this data and, and all of a sudden it changes the game when we start talking to uh, medical doctors and PTs. And in that, uh, in that relationship where chiropractic physicians become an integral part of a patient's healthcare team. Yeah, it's a no-brainer at that point. When, when you have that kind of data, it just becomes a no-data. It's so clear the efficacy of, of chiropractic and the cost-effectiveness as well. And, and Mark, you know, I love that you mentioned the, the whole AI piece, and, and there's you know, different, different levels of artificial intelligence, but when you apply machine learning, where literally the machines get smarter over time, and they're taking millions of data points, and we're applying data science so that providers can literally drill down to like demographic and age groups, diagnosis, and bring all these variables together where we can say the probability of this patient getting the best outcome by doing these three things um, because they have all of this analytics and data on the back end that's really guiding the doctor being not only predictive but also prescriptive is a game changer for creating even better outcomes and lowering costs for the healthcare system. So those things are just just critical and, and we're not that far away. Like we're really not that far away. Um, the other thing that I really wanted to, to mention, because you mentioned HIPAA, Mark, is, is the notion of data privacy and security. And, you know, as, as these records get, quote unquote, opened up, you know, talk to, the, talk to the audience about the importance of really maintaining strong data privacy and security issues. And Brad, you, you know a thing or two about this as well. So I'd love for you guys to talk to the audience about how important data privacy and security is and what measures need to be taken to secure your patient's data. Well, I, I mean, that, that is, that's the, wow, that's the $1 million question in a lot of this, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, data security is going to be critical uh, because it's going to be a bit easier to access. Right. Um, and, and you touched on something I just want to touch on a little bit before we get into that data protection. It's also is the, men, the mentality of how this will work, right? So you'll have a lot of these patient advocacy groups have weighed in on this because there was a lot of questions asked. Um, how is this really going to be HIPAA? How is this going to, and they're like, look, it doesn't replace HIPAA. HIPAA. HIPAA remains. It doesn't change that. There's some construct modifications, but really doesn't change what we know and what we practice on a daily basis. It's more of that mental switch from allow to require. Um, but 
um, what the patient advocacy groups all would come out and say is, we, we want to weigh on having access to the information over the level of protection, which is kind of an interesting thought process when you think about it. What they're saying is, we've protected so much that we believe it's actually impacting the patient's health. And so that's key. But what you talked about is that next level. And, and I'm going to be honest, both you and Brad are going to be a heck of a lot more qualified to talk about that. But I think it's, it is critical because the doctor has a responsibility. The EHR companies have a responsibility to protect that data because of even what we see in, in everyday news right now, when we start talking about ransomware and other challenges uh, and other people tapping in. And, and Jay, I know that you, I think, have some specific knowledge in the ransomware arena. I was um, hacked. Yeah. Data, data protection is going to be a key element of this as well. And something at least has to be on the forefront of our minds, because guess what? Our doctors, we don't have IT professionals working in our practice on a full time basis whose job is to take care of that. We yeah. have to be cognizant and aware. Yeah, but from a technical perspective, I don't believe, Mark, that the doctor, the provider is going to have to do much more than they're doing today or should be doing today is the way to state that. Uh you know, protecting those records, it's really after it leaves the office, you got to be sure that you're dealing with, with legit companies that are certified, that are accredited in privacy and security. We, we've been going through all that this last year with uh, the TDRAP accreditation, which is an accreditation for privacy and security specific to the individual app. And, I, and I've got to tell you, it takes three full layers of privacy and security to get into it. It takes dual identity proofing and then two-factor authentication when the patient logs in or the provider logs in. It's really gonna be a secure way. Then, then other technologies like blockchaining are occurring that, you, don't, you know, maybe Jay can hit on blockchain a little bit, but that is a methodology of security that carries not only into healthcare, but that carries into financial, mm-hmm. Um, trading, real estate, real estate. Uh, I mean, it is an amazing, it, you know, it was originally associated with Bitcoin, but the technology itself in locking up uh, in a chain of information, your information that's really out there for companies like ours to, to look at technologically and do the analytics on this, Jay. I mean, hit, hit and explain blockchaining again, uh, for those that maybe not have been in one of our classes in the past. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to go through a quick overview of blockchain, but I think what I really want to hit on what you just said, Brad, that the that the providers really don't have to do too much as it relates to privacy and security. And that is kind of true. I think where I have the greatest concern and what my experience was is that an email comes into your inbox or one of your employees' inboxes, and they click on a link, and all of a sudden, all of your shit is hacked. That's the concern. That's where you guys need to be trained in understanding what spam or viruses look like and have the appropriate virus protection on your computers and and have an IT policy in your company. That's just critically important because I'm going to tell you, I was hacked and it was a painful, one of the most stressful experiences I've ever had in practice. It happened several years ago. It was our legacy system, but yeah, they wanted like $20,000 in Bitcoin for them to um, release my records. And we were like, we don't negotiate with terrorists. And so what we did is we found a company in New York to literally unlock our data, but we had to report to Health and Human Services, our state and the, the federal attorney general's office. We had to put it on the front page of our website like that. Yes, we had a privacy and security hack 
the front page of our website. That's not what we call good branding. Like that's not what you want to represent for your practice. So the, the, the important thing is for you and your team to have an IT policy, have an IT expert come in and share with you the protections you need to employ in your practice so that it never happens to you. Um, quickly about blockchain. Again, Brad, you know, I agree. This is a meta technology. This is like the internet. When the internet first started, it's a it is going to change the way that we live our lives. But essentially, blockchain technology is one big secure ledger. Think about a very secure spreadsheet where transactions happen. They're an exchange of value. And with a smart contract that that exchange occurs on, it gets actually added to a block on the chain. So if it's a healthcare transaction amongst a healthcare provider and their patients, each transaction would be secure and on the blockchain. The exchange of value happens and that transaction is written in a smart contract and it lives on that blockchain forever. Um, technically, it's, it's supposed to be much harder to hack into, but there have been some security breaches with blockchain as well. But as we learn more about how to use this technology, I truly believe that um, it, it is going to change our future. And Mark, you mentioned something about research and, and you know people paying for research data, right? And here's the really interesting thing. When patients own, not if, when patients own their own healthcare data, research companies are going to be going to the patient and asking them permission to pay them for their data. And that transaction may very likely occur on the blockchain. So, okay, Mark, answer this question for me. I mean, the old-fashioned doc that's out there, I've been at these conferences where I'm talking about this and in the hallway, I get accosted by docs saying, listen, I'm not changing. You know, I, I am, uh, I am going to still be that old paper doc that we're just not, it's just too unsafe to go in the world. You know, you know, my, my appeal about that is my point about that is you, you're living in 2021, you know, you're going to treat patients. Patients are, are demanding this level of information. I mean, look at all the apps, just open your app store. I, everyone uses a cell phone. I, I'm, I don't even do that anymore. How many of you have a cell phone and I hold it up? Because everybody does. People know about you. Information is being shared about you. You don't even know about. Yep. And, and so don't be afraid to step into the modern world. It, there are a lot more protections today than there used to be. And you're going to have to be involved in this. And quickly, can you just quickly tick off those exception rules? Because there, there really are no exceptions, you, uh, hardly at all, that are going to affect providers. And then we're going to wrap it up here in a minute, Mark, after that, and, and go to questions. We're going to let our live audience here and our virtual audience uh, via Jen here ask questions uh, to us. And then after that, we're going to conclude, take a little break, and go right back to our next guest. So, Mark, would you end with that, please? Yeah, so let me give two, two things. One is I just want to touch on what you just said. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that we deal with and that we discuss all the time as a leadership team uh, for our association here in Illinois is how can we help our doctors become more efficient? Because without economies of scale, we have a problem. The profession has a problem without economies of scale. It just does because the healthcare world moves into that. That's why hospital systems keep buying more and more and more and more practices and why practices keep selling because of the economies of scale. They can actually make more money simply by working for the hospital system because they eliminate all of some of the things that really are cumbersome and problematic for us as individual providers because you can, you can consolidate and pool some of those resources, the billing and everything else. And we keep going into that, but, um, you know, efficiency. And, and honestly, if you want to know why we move away from paper is in order to have good, accurate 
and and compliant uh, documentation, it would be it would be terribly, terribly inefficient to continue in a paper world. Now, don't get me wrong. I've talked to a number of doctors, talked to a lot of doctors all the time, and especially about medical records and, and sharing and everything in paper records over the last several months. And, and here's what I will tell you. At the end of the day, um, you know, typically what I'll tell people, if you're going to be in practice for more than three or four years, you might as well just start making a change now. Uh, it's really that simple. You have to. Now, additionally, to go on a little bit on yours, I want to go through the exceptions because this isn't something to one fear. It's not something to sit back and go, I'm not going to worry about it. I don't care. It's been, you know, several months since April 5th and I'm not going to get any requests. Number one is it's just not true. You will get the requests and it is going to be difficult. And here's the thing. If, if one of these providers that a lot of people use, and I'll just use my chart and Epic as an example, my chart is Epic's uh, uh, patient centered uh, uh, portal app. Um, if my charts flips a switch and, and allows all of their patients to request medical records from other providers at one time, you might get 100 requests tomorrow. Um, so we don't know when that will happen. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's just it's it's a nature. It's a, it's a fact of IT development. It's coming. And so don't just sit back and say, I'm not going to worry about it. Be prepared. Be diligent. Don't be fearful. So what are the exceptions? Well, HIPAA, we talked quite a bit about that. Uh, um, there's also a privacy exception. Also, HIPAA. Both of those, honestly, are going to be difficult to get around the vast majority of the requests that you're going to get. It's just really that simple. Uh, security exception. Quite candidly, um, most of the time, you're not going to find a security exception because of how they have constructed this. And, and I could go into this, Brad, but honestly, this is one of those discussions that when we get into it, it's about an hour long. So I don't want to bore everybody, but just trust me when I say, don't sit back and say, I'm just going to say it's a security risk. You can't. If, if you know for a fact that the patient said it's okay, you still have to send it even if you believe that it's a security risk to the patient. Now, if you believe it's a security risk to, to you and your data, that's slightly different, but typically that's not the case. And so security is not gonna be one that our doctors are gonna, are gonna utilize that often. Infeasibility is, is another one. Basically, you have, you know, if, you have a, if you have a hurricane come through uh, Florida and, and you, can't, you don't have access to your records, it's infeasible for a period of time. By the way, in those, you have to give a 10-day Warning. In other words, within 10 days, you have to give them written notice as to why you can't, uh, why you can't do that. Health IT performance, your system crashes, and, and that's another exception. Um, and then there are, there are three more. They're not really exceptions, Brad. They're procedures. So in other words, it's not how you don't send or when you don't send the records. Instead, it's how you fulfill these requests, right? And, and, and those three uh, are going to be a licensing exception. doesn't apply to our doctors. This goes back to some of that money-making side of things for the data that's available through some of these large uh, health IT providers. Um, fees exception, again, very, very similar because you cannot charge patients for access to these records. And the last one is content and manner, right? That, that's going to be the one that most likely will be used, but the content and manner exception, uh, Brad and Jay, check this out, man. You have to go through specific steps. This is that negotiation we talked about earlier, right? So this is that negotiation where you, when you get the request, you have to say, okay, I can't provide this to you in that way. Um, how about this? And they come back and say, no, how about this? And you go back and forth. And again, remember, most likely they're going to be using AI bots to take care of this for them. And you're going to be using your staff, yourself, your own email, your own phone, whatever the case might be to resolve this. And, and inefficiency is going to be the name of the game. It really is going to be inefficient. And so that's why it's so important to have the correct, correct certified EHR systems. Well, Mark, you're, you're so right about that. And I, and I hope docs don't get rid of that fear factor. You know, join in. 
listening to listen to some of the EDs like yourself that are aggressive. Florida Chiropractic Association, let's throw the kudos to them because they have been very open listening about big data technology. Jay and I have been talking on that for years here, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, but doctors need to get involved. Don't be afraid of this. Uh, and, and Mark, listen, we're going to take questions here in just a second, but I want to give Jay a second to jump in and, and wrap up any pieces that he's got to this. Uh, and, and then we'll, we'll come right back to you for quick. And then Jen's going to, I think, bring questions to us. So Mark, man, I just want to thank you. This has been amazing. And, and because we're humans, you know, repetition matters. So just for one, one last time, give these docs the top, you know, two to three things they really need to do, they want to do starting on Monday. What are those three things? Wow. Um, so, I mean, the biggest thing is, here's what I'm going to tell you. There's resources out there. Uh, I know FCA, by the way, you guys, uh, you guys have an association down there in Florida that is absolutely phenomenal. These yep. guys are brilliant. Uh, Deb and Jen and Jen and the entire team, these guys are fantastic. They have resources. I know for a fact they do because we've talked about them. Uh, so they've got, a, I think they have about four different articles that are out there and ready that walk you through not only what this is, but literally one of them, what you do, right? How you can step through in your office and the things that you need to do. I think it even summarizes it at the end to say, nutshell it here are the steps that you need to do for your office check out the fca's uh, resources for this they're going to be able to help you out these guys are awesome and and so that that's where i would start don't be scared of it right don't sit back and say i'm going back to paper records I, I, honestly you're going to lose money i'm just being honest it's it's too inefficient it doesn't work insurance companies win when you go to paper because they just can deny more they can deny more claims and we don't want that. I want you to keep your money. You provide a good and valuable service. You deserve to be paid for it. And so I want you to keep your money. So don't be scared of it. Um, uh, walk through the steps that the FCA will provide you and uh, uh, and take and take the appropriate action. Get a hold of your EHR company. Find out, are you certified for the Cures Act? Um, and it's going to be key. Yep, that's great. So two really important take-home points, y'all. Check out the FCA website, lots of great resources, and speak to your EHR company. And don't wait. Let's do it sooner rather than later. Brad, yeah. I am super excited about all this great content from Mark, and I'm also super excited about our next guest, Kate. And if we want to learn about artificial intelligence and customer success, Kate is the bomb. So when we come back from our break, we're going to bring Kate on. But Mark, man, always a pleasure. Love and appreciate you, brother. And I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thank you. You're awesome. Mark, thank you for being part of Tech Talk. You know, you've, you've been a long-term listener of Tech Talk. Just, just tell the audience, have you learned some things? I know we're a little goofy every now and then, and we, we have a lot of fun. Poodle Dog here, by the way, if you don't know, I call him Poodle Dog because of his long, lovely locks. He just wants to run his fingers through my hair. That's all he wants to do. <laughs> but listen, we, we, uh, we talk about these subjects weekly on Friday. Uh, Tech Talk is one of the things that we do to get these messages out here. It's not always chiropractic content, but it's something about healthcare technology, something that we think doctors or vendors um, technology people in the world are getting out and trying to change it. It's a fun way to listen, listen to a little old music and, and listen to new ideas and listen to Jay and I banner about it. <laughs> See y'all. Listen.
Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk.